In today's episode, we're going to tell the story of when the king of Persia signed the order to have Baha'u'llah arrested and executed and why it didn't happen. And then we're going to take a bit of a leap in the time and see how that could relate to what it means to put Baha'u'llah at the center of our lives. This is the Baha'i Stories Shortcast. In each episode, we tell a story or two and then reflect on what we can learn from these stories. The stories are from Baha'i sources, but our reflections are purely our personal understanding. Let's start. The man behind the order of having Baha'u'llah arrested and executed was Haji Mirza Aghasi, who at the time was the Grand Vizier of the King. It is well known that the Grand Vizier had the King under his influence and had the ability to manipulate the King to execute orders that were beneficial for Haji Mirza Aghasi. Now the background here begins years earlier. But the village belonged to Baha'u'llah. So Haji Mirza Aghasi wanted to own this village and knowing that Baha'u'llah was the owner, he went to Baha'u'llah and he said that I want to purchase this land. Baha'u'llah said, had this property been exclusively mine own, I would willingly have complied with your desire. This transitory life with all its sordid possessions is worthy of no attachment in my eyes, how much less this small and insignificant estate. But then Baha'u'llah continued to say, as a number of other people, both rich and poor, some of full age and some still minors, share with me the ownership of this property, I would request you to refer this matter to them and seek their consent. So here Haji Mirza Aghasi comes to Baha'u'llah and says, I want to buy this village from you. Baha'u'llah having no interest in material possessions, basically says, yes, I will agree, but... I am not the sole owner. Get the consent of the others and the village is yours. But Haji Mirza Aghasi did not like this reply. So he tried through fraudulent means to get the ownership of the village. As he was doing this, Baha'u'llah was informed of Haji Mirza Aghasi's evil designs or fraudulent designs. So what Baha'u'llah did was that he went and got the consent of all the owners. And then he transferred the property to the name of the sister of the king, to the sister of Muhammad Shah. Because she had repeatedly expressed her desire to become the owner of that village. When Haji Mirza Aghasi found out, he became furious at this transaction and he ordered that the estate the village be forcibly seized. And he was claiming that this was okay because he had already or purchased it from the original possessors, which was not true. Haji Mirza Aghasi tried to get the village by fraudulent means. He sent his agents to execute his plans of forcibly seizing the ownership of the village. And when the agents were severely rebuked and turned away, Haji Mirza Aghasi was disappointed and went to the king to complain about such treatment. 
he probably put the case that a grand vizier should not be disrespected in such a way. A grand vizier of the Shah himself should be treated with more respect and should get his wishes accepted. But little did Haji Mirza Agassi know that that very night before he went to the king, the sister of the king had talked to the king himself. She had informed the queen, king of her purchase and what had happened. She told the king that she is just applying what the king had wished because the king had several times before said to her that, you know, get rid of these jewels and get some property, do some investment. And then she tells now the king that I've just exactly done what you told me. I have invested in a property of land and now Haji Mirza Agassi is coming to forcibly seize it from my hands. How is this fair? The king assured his sister that Haji Mirza Agassi will forego his claim. The village is yours. Do not worry about this. Everything is going to be okay. Haji Mirza Agassi became frustrated, angry and very disappointed that his plans to gain ownership of this village had basically come to nothing. He could not get it anymore. The king had already ruled in it. So he was angry. And what he did was that he summoned Baha'u'llah to his own presence and started discre discrediting Baha'u'llah's name. Now, as you know, at that time, Baha'u'llah was a very popular citizen of Tehran. His home was an open home. Poor people, desolate people, desperate people were all welcomed at his home. He hosted gatherings and he had a lot of guests over, far more than what was common at that time. So in this process of Haji Mirza Agassi trying to discredit Baha'u'llah, he said something along the lines of, what is the purpose of all this feasting and banqueting in which you seem to delight. I, who am the prime minister of the Shahin Shah of Persia, never received the number and variety of guests that crowd around your table every night. Why all this extravagance and vanity? You surely must be meditating a plot against me. So Haji Mirza Agassi confirms that Baha'u'llah is very popular and is receiving guests of every type and variety and attributes this that Baha'u'llah is plotting something against the Grand Vizier. Baha'u'llah replies, Gracious God, is the man who, out of the abundance of his heart, shares his bread with his fellow men to be accused of harboring criminal intentions? And Baha'u'llah must have said this in such a way, with such authority, because Haji Mirza Ghazi was utterly confounded and he did not dare to reply. But of course, he still harbored ill will towards Baha'u'llah. Haji Mirza Aghasi continued being a very selfish advisor to the, grand, uh, to the king, to poisoning the mind of Muhammad Shah against Baha'u'llah. He would make these insinuations that Baha'u'llah is gathering people to incite a rebellion. 
And then finally, according to Nabil, the day came when Muhammad Shah declared, he said, I have hitherto refused to countenance whatever has been said against him, referring to Baha'u'llah. My indulgence has been actuated by my recognition of the services rendered to my country by his father. So Muhammad Shah is saying that so far I have not listened to this because the respect I have for the services that Baha'u'llah's father has rendered to the country. And then Muhammad Shah said, this time, however, I am determined to put him to death. Haji Mirza Ghazi quickly order, arranged the papers and obtained an edict from Muhammad Shah and instructed one of the notables in Mazandaran, the province north of Iran, to put Baha'u'llah under arrest. Baha'u'llah states in one of his own tablets that after he left Badasht, he traveled to Nur, which is a city in northern part of Iran, just by the southern shores of the Caspian Sea. Now, while he was in a village called Bandarjaz, the edict from Muhammad Shah ordering his arrest arrived. At that time, Baha'u'llah was the guest of some notables of that town. And a Russian agent of that city was also present in that meeting. When it became known that the order of his arrest had been issued, and it had arrived, the Russian says that I can provide you safe passage. There is a Russian ship right now in the harbor. Let's go and I'll take you to Russia to safety. But Baha'u'llah did not accept that offer. He did not run away. So Baha'u'llah chose to stay. The very next day, there was a banquet to which Baha'u'llah was invited. To this banquet, all the notables of that area were invited. Even the Russian agent who had offered Baha'u'llah safe passage to Russia was there. It was during this banquet that a courier arrived from Tehran. The courier brought with him the news that Muhammad Shah had died. And because Muhammad Shah was now dead, the order of the arrest and execution of Baha'u'llah had lost authority. Haji Mirza Agassi, who had gained a lot of enemies, were now suddenly in a position where he had to flee for his life. So this is the story of Muhammad Shah ordering the arrest and execution of Baha'u'llah, but the very next day, died making that order useless, without authority. Many years later, when Baha'u'llah was in the mansion of Mazra'i, one of the Baha'is came to pilgrimage. Now this Baha'i who came to pilgrimage had lived in Mosul, north of Baghdad, for a while. Those were really tough times when, when the Baha'is were in Mosul. He remembers that when he was in Mosul, he once had a watermelon. 
And there was something horribly wrong with this water, watermelon. Because when he had eaten this watermelon, he started feeling really sick. He was afflicted with indigestion. And at that time, having had that watermelon and feeling so bad, he vowed to never touch a watermelon again in his life unless Baha'u'llah himself told him to. So now, many years later, in the mansion of Mazra'e, Baha'u'llah was seated near that little pool of water that is just behind the building of uh, the mansion of Mazra'e. And he mentioned that Muhammad Shah issued our death warrant, but instead his own life came to an end. So Baha'u'llah confirms this story, and then he turns to this pilgrim that had lived in Mosul and says to him, go have some watermelons. Now what is fascinating for me, and this is absolutely my personal interpretation of how this story comes down to what it means to put Baha'u'llah at the center of our lives, is that this guy living in Mosul, minding his own business, having his own watermelon and feeling indigestion as a result of that, vows to never eat a watermelon again unless, unless Baha'u'llah himself tells him to do so. So while in that state of indigestion and feeling bad after that watermelon, and you know how it is when you're sick, he still has Baha'u'llah in his mind. And he vows to never have a watermelon unless. And I kind of find this story to be a bit representative of what we can learn about having Baha'u'llah at the center of our lives. That whatever we do, we have Baha'u'llah in our thoughts. And of course, in that way also, how we can serve the cause, how we can serve the faith, and how we can promote the advancement of civilization.